0: Are you ready? Because it's time to talk at Tease Talk Time. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Tease Talk Time. Yes, I'm your host, Teresa Smith. And today's episode is entitled, An Interview with Stephen Murray. Stephen Murray is a Las Vegas author with roots in England and Southern Africa. Praised for his unique writing style and powerful character development skills, his books cross multiple genres. In addition to being a published author, a public speaker, and an advocate for Alzheimer's, veterans, and homeless causes... Murray is a partner in a software development and support company, which he originally founded in California in 1982. To learn more about books by Stephen Murray, please visit authorstephenmurray.com. And today marks the beginning of my series of interviews with indie authors, that is authors who self-publish their books. So if you're wondering how authors think and how the path to self-publishing works, be sure to tune in because you are sure to gain some insight into this process and to discover some awesome books to read along the way. Fun facts, these famous authors started out as self-published authors. Mark Twain, the author of The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. L. Frank Baum, the author of Oz. And Edgar Allan Poe, the author of the Raven. So the authors that I will be interviewing in the weeks to come and today are in very good company. And now, please help me welcome Stephen Murray to Tease Talk Time. Welcome, Stephen.
1: Thank you, Teresa, for inviting me to be a guest on your show. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for your kind words, and I'd like to thank your listeners for tuning in. I hope they enjoy the show as much as I think I'm going to.
0: Okay, so let's begin. First question, how did your journey as an author begin?
1: You know, my journey as an author began very late in life, I have to tell you. I was virtually reaching retirement age when I started writing, and uh, what made it begin was I had traveled extensively throughout the world, and one day I just suddenly thought I'd really like to put these experiences down on paper, all these different cultures, you know, having traveled to 40 different countries, that's a lot of places on all the continents And so I just suddenly started to write. And I just sat down every Saturday afternoon and bashed out a chapter and discovered a real joy of writing. And I've kind of been writing ever since.
0: That's beautiful. Similar to my story, actually. Towards retirement is when I really started to dig in deep.
1: It's a great hobby to have.
0: It is. So... um, I want to add some like trivial type questions to the mix. And so that's what the next question is. Um, What is the title of your favorite childhood book?
1: Oh, my favorite childhood book. Uh, There wasn't actually one specific one per se. When I was a child in England, there was a series of children's books written by this, author called Enid Blyton. there was a series of them. They were called The Famous Five. And it was about four children that used to get together every holiday, every school holiday. And there were two guys, Julian and Dick, as I remember, and the girls, Anne. And the other one was Georgina, but she was a bit of a tomboy, if I can say that now, um, called Georgie and their dog, Timmy. And they always went to these exciting places. They were always adventures. And I think there were like 20, maybe 20 books in the series. And I couldn't wait for the next one to come out. They were always adventurous and exciting and um, just fun and easy for children, certainly children of my age to to read. I didn't have a specific favorite, but I certainly did enjoy that series of, of books that came out.
0: What a nice memory mm-hmm. because um, we all kind of remember uh, bits and pieces of our childhood as we age. And um, I even remember the first uh, reader, like primer reader, uh-huh. that I used in school when learning to read with the teacher. It was called yeah. Fun with Dick and Jane. And I yes. think all of the schools had that book. <laughs>
1: That's right, yes. The
0: funny thing is, when I became a teacher, after moving from the, the middle school level, from the junior high school level, I moved down to my actual licenseed area, which was elementary. The classroom that I was in had not been used for many, many, many years. So as I'm going around cleaning up and moving things around, I found a copy of Fun with Dick and Jane. <laughs> so that was like a blast from the past and i sat down and i i began i remember learning to read from this book <laughs> so you do you know you have those memories from your yes. childhood
1: it's amazing how they stick with you isn't it
0: they do yes um so my next question is what is your favorite book since you've been an adult like with one of your favorites because some of us we have many favorites what is your favorite book as you yes be?
1: i i don't know as i um i i always liked the author charles dickens i like the classics mm-hmm. i always liked his style of writing i loved his characters um when i reflect i many of his books are downers in a way you know they're, they're pretty depressing books when you <laughs> think about it But the characters were, uh, there was just such a depth of of characters to all of his uh, the individuals in his books. And so I've always loved him as an author. Um, I don't get too much time to read. it certainly not as much as I'd like. I think being an author now myself and knowing lots of authors in Las Vegas and going to lots of signings, we do a lot of book exchanges and I have a, a stack of books yet to read from the local authors that i just don't seem to find time to read or it takes me a awful long time to read and i'm one of those authors that has to read every word on the page i cannot just skim or scan a page i have to read it and if i lose track i've got to go back and reread it so it takes me a long time to read a book especially those charles dickens ones because they're not. They're not short stories either.
0: (laughs) Exactly. True. (laughs) Okay. so um, Charles Dickens was your favorite author. And so you probably loved a lot of his his work and his books. Now, getting back to you as an author, what would you say inspires you to write? Where do you get your inspiration?
1: Um, Most of it's serendipity. Um, my biography of my travels, incidentally, is still sitting in my computer, unpublished, I might add. Wow. Part of the reason being is when I'd finished it, I'd never met any authors. I didn't know any authors. I was totally green and naive. And um a publisher said, nobody's interested in that kind of stuff. You have to write for women. Women are the ones that like to read, and they're the ones with the money. And I thought, I didn't know anything about women's fiction. Um, <laughs> but I stumbled across the idea. I, I I had discovered a joy of writing. That's what I had discovered through writing my biography. So I was determined to find something to write about. And I was inspired by a fictional Las Vegas wedding chapel. Uh, <laughs> or not a fictional one, a real one. I had some visitors and we had to attend uh, something at a wedding chapel and i suddenly thought there's my book for women's fiction you know i live in las vegas we have all these wedding chapels we're the marriage capital of the world why do people come here to get married so uh, that was the inspiration for the first book Um, and i sat down to see if i could do it that was the real challenge and uh, the reader essentially spends a day at the chapel and you meet all these couples as they come and go they've come to las vegas to get married and but it was inspired by actually visiting one of the chapels and meeting a couple waiting to go in to be married and i i I thought about them and i thought i wonder where they're from why are they getting married here where are their friends where are their family and i Mm -hmm. thought there's my book so that inspired the first one and the others have all been inspired by different reasons but it's there's normally a catalyst that inspires me um you know the i i came up with a sequel to the chapter of eternal love because people wanted to know what happened to the couples in the first book so i my second book was a sequel and ultimately the readers will tell you what they want Mm. and one of the couples in uh, one of the stories in the books was about this lady that worked for an escort agency and I'm, I'm giving away one of the stories but she was stood up by a husband or husband-to-be and i suddenly started getting all these letters you know what happened to emmy this lady what happened to her mm-hmm. um and she popped up in the sequel but i thought she ran this escort agency and she was stood up at the altar and That was the catalyst for my book called Discreetly Yours. I thought, all these women are very sympathetic to this lady that could have slept with their husbands in reality, you know. They do. That's what escorts do.
0: They do. Um,
1: And so I had her be stood up in the original chapel book so that she would evoke some sympathy. I was unaware how much sympathy she would evoke. And I thought, I'm going to take this one step further i'm going to write a book about an escort agency i didn't do any research i i have to (laughs) start by saying no research was all imagination and these three ladies work for an escort agency and they decide to come up with a plot to get rid of the guy that runs it because he treats them so badly and i thought by doing that i wonder if these three women will evoke as much sympathy if they actually kill somebody so that was the catalyst or the inspiration for that book
0: okay and then
1: the last one the christmas novel that what was inspired that was i spent two years writing discreetly yours about the escorts and that's um i was pretty tough going because you know there's blackmail in it there's bribery there's murder and they're scheming and plotting and there's all this seedy side of life that's was kind of alien to me and when the book came out in july i was just flicking channels and i stumbled across hallmark christmas in july and i thought you know i'm gonna get myself out of this swamp in which i've pulled myself (laughs) i'm going to write something nice and warm and fuzzy uplifting and feel good and that's how Discovering the Christmas Spirit came about. So I'm inspired by certain events and happenings. And as I said, it's, it's really serendipity.
0: Yeah. Um, and what's strange about that is most authors would say they were inspired by their own experiences. However, you hadn't experienced anything like the first book you wrote.
1: I've never been married. That's and here what... I'm writing about <laughs> wedding chapels and people falling in love and what have you. And then discreetly yours, um, about an escort agency about which I know absolutely nothing. Are you sure? And that positive, Teresa. Positive, positive. And I wrote a cozy murder mystery, and there may have been times in my life I felt like murdering a couple of people, I'll grant you that, but I've never actually done it. The only aspect of my life that has come into any of the books per se is um my cozy murder mystery murder aboard the queen elizabeth ii and it's because i'd actually traveled on the queen elizabeth ii oh okay um so i was able to put it on there and i was still able to remember the names of the restaurants the names of all the cabins and where the swimming pool was and all the different restaurants and things like that and I was able to use that experience. But the rest of my books know it's 100% imagination. All imagination.
0: Wow. That's very interesting. So...
1: That's what makes it fun.
0: Yeah, true. You can use yeah. your
1: imagination and let your imagination run wild.
0: That's yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> I find that to be true, too, when I write my fiction books. Yes. Um, so... As an author, after you have the inspiration and after you start working on the book, um, sometimes we come across challenges as we're writing, one of which is writer's block. What do you do as an author to resolve that issue when you you kind of reach um, a crossroads? You don't know which way to... To carry the book or you're having a block you don't know what to say next you don't know what to write next you don't know where the character is going you don't know where the plot is going
1: yeah um fortunately for me that doesn't really occur and i think there's a couple of reasons for it one i don't base my f- books on fact or anything like that as you said most authors they base their books on their they draw on their personal lives experience yes I don't I just go out and unknown and what I tend to do is I'm a sort of a disciplined author in certain respects I try and set aside like a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon to write and during the week as i'm driving around going to the bank or to the supermarket i think what my next chapter is going to be Mm -hmm. and who's going to be in it and i start coming up with the dialogue the vocabulary setting the scene so i'm doing that when i'm driving around or if i'm sitting watching tv as soon as the commercial breaks come on i suddenly go back to my book so when i actually get down to sitting and writing and typing it's kind of formulated in my mind what the next chapter is going to be um, and normally when i write i i come up with a beginning but i always figure out what i want the end to be and then figure out how to get there that's not to say there aren't some detours and changes along the way there are but um, the writer's block thankfully isn't something that haunts me um, or hasn't done so far
0: Okay. and which genres do you write?
1: Um, I write in multiple genres, and I enjoy that because of the challenge. The two chapel books are mainstream fiction. Then, of course, I've got Murder Aboard, the Queen Elizabeth II. That's a cozy murder mystery. Then there was um, Discreetly Yours, which is crime fiction. And then, of course, Discovering the Christmas Spirit, which is holiday fiction and i like writing in multiple genres because i like the challenge of trying something new and something different every time
0: it's just
1: important
0: all right the next question is why did you choose the genres that you've already written in and are you planning to explore writing in other genres in the future
1: well, to answer the first part of your question, as I mentioned earlier, the chapel book, which was the first one that I had published, The Chapel of Eternal Love, that was because I was told to write women's fiction. So that's, I did what I was told. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time that book was finished and the sequel was finished, I'd met other authors and I'd always wanted to write a murder mystery. Um, so I had a stab at that and then of course discreetly yours the crime fiction that that was propelled again by the chapter of eternal love because one of the chapters um had a a female escort and women wanted to know what happened so as i said in part it's because the readers will tell you what they want and they told me what they wanted so i gave them that book and then the, the holiday was something else and um, just again, as a reaction, that was um, a, reflect, a reflex action, I suppose, from having spent two years writing the sordid, discreetly yours. <laughs> oh. But yes, um, the the book that I'm writing now. To, sorry to answer the second part of your question. Is a different genre. It's slightly paranormal, but it's a, a light-hearted, humorous paranormal book. It's not one of these heavy-duty, spooky, ghost books. It's a light-hearted, fun paranormal.
0: Okay. Um, so I can throw away one of my cards because you answered another one of my questions oh, okay. already. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so what is your favorite genre to write in? Which one is um, your favorite? I,
1: every one that I've written so far, they seem to take on a different level of enjoyment i really enjoyed the christmas one because i enjoyed writing that because like you i really love christmas i love that time of the year so and i like the warm and fuzziness that it invoked as i was writing it and developing the characters and the storylines i just like the concept of it so in a way that was favorite um i did enjoy the challenge of writing the murder mystery because it is fun to see if you can write a murder mystery and confuse people or keep them guessing right to the end which i hope i've been able to do so that was fun to see if i could expand the story out long enough to make it intriguing and make it a page turner so i've enjoyed every genre that i've written in and I don't know whether I will go well probably one of these days I'll go back but I'm always looking for new genres and that's why I've come up with this light-hearted witty paranormal book and I I hope that readers will find it witty when it comes out if if it ever gets published (laughs) it will (laughs) (laughs) well that's another story you know it's it's not just getting the words out on paper you know that's just part of it it's then getting it out there that's a whole other story Yes,
0: um, yes. So um, you kind of answered one of my questions when you gave a little description of each book that you have already written. You've given um, their titles. You've given a little synopsis of each. So I won't cover that. I will say that I did have the opportunity to read one of Stephen's books. And it was Discovering the, the Christmas Spirit because I love Christmas, and I watch Christmas movies year-round, and uh, so right now that's my favorite, but I haven't read the other books yet, so that might change in the future. (laughs) We don't know once I start to read them. Um, Okay, so Stephen, when I asked you a question about um, what inspired you to write or sort of where you get your ideas from. I thought back to when I read your book called Discovering the Christmas Spirit. Mm-hmm. And um, let me make sure you can see that, let's see. I hold it back to the side, let's see. It's ghosting me, it's ghosting me. Anyway, <laughs> there it is. So when I read your book, Discovering the Christmas Spirit, I read a line in there that reminded me of you. And that's one of the reasons why I asked that question because I think that in every piece of artwork and I think writing is an art, um, the artist puts a part of himself or herself into the work. And I felt like I saw a part, a piece of you in this book so um, as I'm reading you know I'm taking notes because I'm a teacher <laughs> retired teacher and there was a quote in chapter two that I wanted to read from the book and it says there's nothing to repay life is about giving that's what we do here we try to give back and give of ourselves. And I felt that this quote could describe you because in the intro, you know, when I found out more about your background, I found out how you work with the homeless. I found out how you work with um, veterans. I found out that you do a lot of what I would consider to be uh, philanthropic work. That's how I would. That's how I would phrase it. So I think that in your life, you've been a giver, and I think you still are. Because I found right away when we started to email each other back and forth and message each other back and forth through Podmatch, plug for Podmatch. <laughs> uh, Uh, (laughs) I saw right away that you were a giver because you offered to give me a signed copy of your book. You didn't have to do that. Authors have all sorts of ways to um, give away their books, some through book funnels and, Mm -hmm. you know, PDFs and ARCs. They have other ways to gift copies, but you wanted to actually sign and put a message in the book for me and you didn't have to do that so I said those philanthropic ways are coming through even before the interview I feel like that chapter and some of the little nuances throughout the book have something to do with the type of person that you are and your life's work and the things that you've been doing through the years, am I right or wrong?
1: well I, I I think that that that's very nice you say so Teresa. That really is i I accept those compliments graciously, hopefully um, I think most people give back i i I think my own personal philosophy without getting too deep Teresa is. I'm not too sure as we're put on this self, on this planet for ourselves necessarily. I think we're all, it's incumbent on all of us to make our own little corners of the world better. We, We can't all be presidents or kings, queens, whatever, and have this vast power to change the globe. So we can only change things and make it for the better for other people um, i've been fortunate and truly blessed since i've been to america so well i've been blessed all my life but certainly since i've been to america i, I came here with two suitcases and five hundred dollars and i knew one person and now i've got a host of friends a beautiful home i've had a fabulous career and people have been very supportive um, I know there are people out there watching out for me every single day I don't know all that they do but I know they're doing things because suddenly things manifest themselves for me so um it's certainly incumbent on me to give back but I really do believe in the adage that it's better to give than to receive I truly believe that there's lots more rewards to giving than receiving that it is just part of my personal philosophy, but I do think most people are givers.
0: Yes. And There's probably um, going
1: to be tons of people out there saying, you're wrong, you're wrong, but <laughs> I like to think not.
0: <laughs> and throughout the book, that that theme of of giving, um, of presence that lasts forever is there. Like each character in discovering the Christmas spirit needed something and I feel like um, their needs were met maybe not in the way they thought it would be but all of the needs that they actually needed were met as we go through the book. Um, Another portion of the book that I wanted to point out was in chapter 10 when the the minister the priest gave his sermon and he had three gifts that he wanted to give (laughs) to the people who were listening to his sermon and they were peace love and joy (laughs) and and I feel like those are the gifts that keep on giving (laughs) they just keep on giving and I think a tangible gift okay for a while that gift will give bring you some joy a little bit of peace and you feel loved but the the um the one the thing about these gifts that he wanted to give in his sermon they're not tangible but they're most important to have those three things in life
1: (laughs) you you picked up on probably weren't such subtle nuances but (laughs) there was a reason for them being intangible intangibles um we're all creeps of our environment in many ways I suppose but our life is also what we make it you know it's not always the cards that you're dealt it's how you how you play the cards mm-hmm. and that make it so worthwhile um, that doesn't sound over or or trite but that really probably is how it how it is.
0: It is. And so I thought that those messages in the book were very powerful, but I fell in love with all the characters and the colors and the sights and the sounds and the smells and the tastes (laughs) of of the village, Christmas Carol Village. And I was like, I wanna visit that village one day.
1: (laughs) I'd like to live there.
0: Me too, just for the cookies. (laughs) 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 and it's, it's it's such a beautiful world I feel like you as I said in my review of your book you created a world within a world which is what you see when you hold a Christmas globe you see a little world inside of our world and you created that in this story
1: and go on. I th- well, part of the the challenge or the interesting thing about writing, discovering the Christmas spirit. Obviously, the town had to be fictitious. You know, I didn't want it to be so realistic that it was like humdrum everyday life can be sometimes. So I wanted it to be something like where the the square in the center of the village is point what thrive all year long and they keep a christmas tree in the square all year long in a way that's totally unrealistic you know i don't think there is any sort of town that does that and all the shops with the with the 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 names of the stores related to christmas and things like that i wanted them all to sort of have that air of fictitiousness about it but i wanted the characters to be real and with true feelings and true passions and true concerns and troubles that they had to, true true demons that they had to deal with. So it was interesting trying to bridge the reality with the totally escapist world of Christmas Carol Village. And that was, a for me, it was a real challenge. It might not be for somebody that's had more experience or practice in writing than I have. But for me that was a real challenge and the, and the fun of writing the book and i hope that came across that you know there was some light-hearted fantasy but there was also some some realism in the book as well
0: and you did that so well because thank all you. of the characters are very relatable thank you the real life stories those are those are stories that you know you people experience with the yes. people that they know in reality yes and then set like you said in this fictitious environment and um, I also noticed that you sprinkled I I see the book like a cookie as you can tell the way I'm describing (laughs) (laughs) you sprinkled the book with um, the duality of Christmas you you had things related to the religious side of Christmas and then you had Things related to the commercial side of Christmas, mm-hmm. if you want to say. Yes. Um, and I thought that it was so interesting that you, the way you named the characters. For uh-huh. example, and I know from talking to you prior <laughs> that what I thought was not true in some cases, but I felt like Oscar was a little bit like Oscar the Groucho, as dream, a little. <laughs> and I also felt, I didn't tell you this, so I'm telling you now. That Marilyn reminded me a little bit of Marilyn Monroe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh dear!
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw the biblical names there, like Matthew and Ruth. Yes. So there was like um, there were like little sprinkles of religious type themes, but also the commercial side along with the whole christmas theme like both were present in the book
1: well you know christmas is supposed to be a a religious um holiday Mm -hmm. i didn't want it to necessarily be a religious book but i didn't want to totally ignore that aspect of it so i thought by um Giving a lot of the characters' names, biblical names, and having a minister in the book um, that that runs a facility for one for better word um, that would address that that aspect of it. So I did want to keep keep that as part of the book, and you know the nativity. I, I I wanted to keep things like the nativity in but also have a night where they're doing you know charles dickens christmas carol you know it's the more commercial right. aspect of it so that's why i said it was fun juggling and trying to keep both parts of the book vibrant and going
0: and it really worked I, I, yeah i i, I hope so book.
1: It, it came out just before <laughs> christmas unfortunately there were some delays in getting it printed and and typeset and what have you so it came out pretty late but it's still been selling and um i'm hoping to do a real bigger promo this coming christmas you know and hopefully get it out there and i've entered in for a couple of competitions so we'll see where that goes
0: and i'm hoping it will turn into one of those little hallmark movies so i can watch it
1: <laughs> oh Teresa, oh, from if your anyone's
0: mouth listening Teresa, from your mouth to God's ear. (laughs) This could be a movie script if anybody (laughs) out there happens to be listening in, just to let you know. (laughs) Uh, So you've written all these books. Mm Five. I want to know, have your books been well received? You just said that um, this particular book was doing well and you're going to promote it again. Um, Have you had uh, good experiences with the promotion of your books? And how do you promote your books?
1: Well, all my books are self-published. And I have to tell you, it's one of the toughest things, in my view, for self-published authors to market their books. Um, That having been said, it's been one of the more surprising rewards I've had um, that I just didn't expect. Um, people say put your book out on Amazon, which is fine, you know, because it can sell on Amazon. It's easy for people to just log in, call up the book on Amazon, but people still have to know that it's there. So people still have to be made aware of this of your book so what have i done to promote it and to market it i try and appear on as many podcasts as i can um, uh, because shows like yours provide a valuable service for authors whether they're self-published or traditional published to provide a valuable service it's one way of getting your books out there i do a lot of book signings i have three book signings this month at different places Um, ones at a coffee shop ones at a bookstore and the other ones at a bookstore and a coffee shop It's combined it's a a, like a a cafe and they have a little area where they sell books and so i've got a signing going on there so i try and book two or three book signings a month and also try and do some book presentations wherever i can at places like senior centers my books are very, very pure, Teresa, even in the discreetly yours, there's no, there's no graphic violence or there's no graphic sex or, or expletives, any of my books. Your grandmother could read any one of them and not be upset or offended. And I speak a lot of senior centers and they're an extremely receptive audience and many of them can't get out. So they like it when people from the outside come and speak to them. And a lot of them like to read. Mm -hmm. um so they'll buy the books um but it it, it is a challenge and i put it out on websites like author's den and hometown reads there's places where you can go put your book out Mm -hmm. it's tough but it's also fun Mm -hmm. and you, you meet a lot of wonderful people you know having book signings and doing book presentations and people come up and ask you questions You meet a lot of nice people and you realize there's a lot of wonderful people out there on this planet.
0: True. I've done uh, one book signing (laughs) at um, my childhood library. That was my first and only one before COVID struck because I had planned to do more. Yes. (laughs) And um, that prevented me from doing any further work. So, and that was... um, a charming experience because yes. walking back into the library where you went when you were a child <laughs> after yes. so many years it just it looks so different you know yes. from the angle of being an adult as opposed yeah. to when i was a child yes. picking out books there there you go
1: try reaching out to barnes and noble because they're very receptive to um children's authors mm-hmm. and having signings for books for children so you might want to try reach out out to them
0: I need to um to do something where my event is the focus because when I had my event there was like a fair also at the library so they had um tables outside they had a which was good because it brought a large crowd they had a marching band it was really it was an event event for the entire library. And so I was stationed inside of the library in the area where you sit on the rug with the small children and read to Mm -hmm. them and everything. And on the outside though, there was a lot going on because they had like a clown. They had people, there was so much going on and everyone came together when the marching band came. Everyone would, you know, I went outside and I videotaped that. And, um, and then people came in to, you know, to get library cards for their children. And there was I, the children's book author inside. And, uh, you know, I gave a lot of books away, put it that way. I did get a few sales, but when you see those little faces with the mommy, you yep. like, yes. I have a raffle for a book and keep the ticket but then you say you know what just take the book <laughs> yeah it,
1: it happens you do land up giving a lot away you hear of a sob yeah. story and you think oh well uh but it is what it is and it is. you know what we all have to think that at the end of our life um we hope that giving one book away to somebody that can't afford it but would really like to read it if that's going to show up on our radar screen, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe we haven't lived our lives its potential, perhaps.
0: <laughs> True. So now, here's the big question, one of the biggest questions. What advice do you have for new authors?
1: Oh, um, for new authors, um, Probably two things. I, I think the, the first is a very practical one. Uh, be sure that your book is professionally edited. And when I say professional, you know, people say, oh, my mom is an English teacher. Well, an English teacher doesn't necessarily make you an editor mm-hmm. any more than an editor makes an English teacher. Mm-hmm. Or they'll say, I have my daughter edited. She's good. You need somebody that is, hasn't heard you talk about your book um they know nothing about it they can read the whole thing objectively they don't know any of the characters they don't know the storyline they don't know where it's going they can look for character defects not only grammar and spelling errors but they can look for storyline defects plot defects and if you're writing a book and you're talking to your your wife or your husband constantly your book's going to come up And when they read it, they're going to say, oh, yes, I know all about that. I know all about it. Well, they might because they've heard the spouse talking about it, but the reader doesn't necessarily know that. So the first piece of advice I would say, no matter what it costs, shop around, get the book professionally edited. And the second thing I would say is pursue your dream. You've put a lot of time, you've put a lot of yourself into that book. Make it happen. And whether it's traditionally published or self-published there's pros and cons on both you know that's another subject for another day i suppose um but just pursue your dream and make it become a reality you you won't look back um i certainly haven't i was very nervous and apprehensive about publishing my first book but it's taken me on a journey that i never ever expected in a million years and it's been a fun one has its challenges but it's it's been rewarding not necessarily financially but it's been rewarding part of my life so that's what i would give to new authors and aspiring authors
0: Mm, that's a great message i accept it i'm not as new as the other people but i accept that message (laughs) i (laughs) co-sign on it (laughs) there you go here's my final question stephen Where can my audience find your books and find out more about you?
1: They can can find out more about me by visiting my website. Um, I have websites for each of the books, but there's a master website and it's quite easy. It's www.author Stephen Murray, and that's S T E P H E N. Murray r u r r a y dot com and they can go there and there's a whole section about me and my background and then it lists all my books and if they click on each of the books it will take them to that particular website where they can read professional reviews uh regular reader reviews they can see upcoming events where i'm speaking at where i'm having podcasts things of that nature um and the books are also available. They can, uh, they're all available, of course, on Amazon. Um, they're available at Barnes & Noble. They should be able to walk into any bookstore and, and purchase the books.
0: Okay. So on that note, <laughs> I want to thank you again very, very much for joining me on my little podcast. <laughs> I really appreciate you. Oh. I feel like I've made a, a lifelong friend.
1: I feel like that too, Teresa. And I thank you for inviting me on your program again. I wish you much, much success with your podcast and your books. Mm-hmm. And um, I, again, thank the listeners for tuning in. I, I hope they enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed being on your, your program. You stay safe and stay well, and every success.
0: You too. And before we go, I'd like to wish a very happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there since this will be airing on the weekend of Mother's Day.
1: Oh, lovely. (laughs) So happy. Where would we be without them?
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And so, as I say at the end of the show, I'll talk to you later. Take care. Bye. Bye. I've also been given the opportunity to read one of Stephen Murray's books, one of which I chose and he gifted to me a signed copy of. The title is discovering the Christmas spirit. I really enjoyed this book. I really, really enjoyed it. I hope you go out and pick it up. It's a really good, inspiring, and heartwarming book. So pick it up.